let's get funky with it. Let's get funky town. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are talking Mr. Miracle number six, Funky Flashman. I got to admit, Amir, this is the issue I was dreading a little bit, but I loved it. I thought it was the best, especially the Stan Lee, I mean, Funky Flashman's part. Can He's I just read? vicious. Kirby's just vicious about Funky Flashman. It's amazing. Um, can I read that first paragraph up at the top? Yeah. It says, in the shadow world between success and failure, there lives a driven little man who dreams of having it all. Hmm. The opportunistic spoiler without character or values, who preys on all things like a cannibal, including you. Like death and taxes, we all must deal with him sometime. That's why in this issue, we go where he lives, in the decaying antebellum grandeur of the Mockingbird Estates, and wait for Godot with funky flashmen. That's just so nasty, right? Without character values. Little man with dreams of having it all. Wow. He's just an opportunistic spoiler. Incredible. Is you know, How much anger do you think Kirby was carrying around at that point? My yeah. God. Yeah. Wait, what do you really feel about Stanley? Can you get <laughs> a little more clear? Even and even like in the first panel there in the, the full page spread, stands in the shadows. He's the man in the shadows. Yeah. In his ridiculous gown, in his de decaying mansion, being paid by someone who he never sees. Uh there's like all this funny symbolism about everything about him. Colonel Mockingbird, that's his uncle, right? What was his uncle's name? It's Martin Frank. Goodman. Martin Goodman, yeah. Yeah, Martin Goodman would sometimes give him these bizarre edicts that, that Stan had to just follow. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the ability to make decisions about Marvel very much. I mean, he did in a lot of ways, but um, he was he always had the chance of being overridden. I love how he uh, he's bald. He's looks like he's been around for a lot of years. He puts on the beard and he gets more and more kind of funky, you know? Yeah. He's trying to be cool. He's trying to be modern. Looks so majestic in his toupee and his beard. Yeah, it, it's so it's so funny because I think genuinely Kirby's trying to have this as a comedic character, and he has so much hate that you don't laugh until later. Like he he doesn't bring it in until like maybe like fifteen more pages, like some jokes and stuff. This is just like hatred, pure hate on paper. Doesn't and, Funky feel like a predator? Yeah, in the beginning, I mean, it's kind of menacing. He looks like a bad guy. If I didn't know any better, I thought maybe he's in with, with Apocalypse. That's it. He, as bad as he is, like, he's actually not an Apocalypse. He's not with Apocalypse. He doesn't work for Apocalypse, which is interesting. Right. Both Scott and Barta say, you know, you're just human. We don't care about you. You're like a shadow of us. Yeah, you and Scott's like, I'll have to deal with them just because, you know, it's part of the business. But, like, he doesn't, he takes it as a, but we'll get to that. But another thing about Roy Thomas, House Roy, I actually think his drawing is actually a little bit different. It's kind of cool. Different than how Kirby would draw. Actually, both of them, they're, and this might be Kirby trying to do, like, a, 
like a portrait or so, like kind of close to real life images, right? They're a little bit different. Or do you think it's the inking? Royer made a point of trying to ink every line Kirby put down. Or ink very true to Kirby. So I think it's Kirby. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, Just I like. Um, Mark Evanier talks about that's what what's what Royer's approach was. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's, I, I like I, I like the design. It's a little bit different than you would see at other issues, I guess. Other characters. I like too how the Mockingbird Mansion is falling apart. Right, there were spider webs hanging from the chandeliers. The mirrors are broken. The facing of it is falling apart. The yard is unkept. So it is pretty clearly Kirby saying, you know, since I left Marvel, you're not taking care of things the way they should be. Just everything about this character is uh-huh. like so freaking unlikable. Do you think he comes, he does, he treats Roy too nastily? He does. Wrong with Roy? Doesn't he call him a dope? Yeah. Maybe he calls him a dope. And then it's like, I like the part where like Roy Thomas is like, when you go on to bigger things as you so richly deserve and sign this place over to me, I shall carry on here with you with the standards you hold so dear. <laughs> Stanley's all, scratch a little lower to the right house, Roy. <laughs> yeah, I like the line too about me. There are times when the real master funky comes through with shocking results. So funky is an asshole too. And we see it when he strangles House Roy in the last panel there, too. Oh, yeah. Grabs him by the throat, and he's throttling him for a second. See just how pissed off he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, Jack. Tell us how you really feel here. I have, I've enjoyed... I mean, that was my... The highlight of this issue is Barda and Stan Lee. That's my highlights of the issue. You know, I think this is three issues in a row where we talked about how Barda's the highlight. Yeah. She's the star. I mean... There's like a scene which is like, she's awesome. I really like her. It starts out so great, too, with her holding the gun, playing with it like it's just this toy, this yeah. deadly toy she uses. And she's probably never seen a gun before, but she twirls it on her finger really fast and everything, and then just smashes it because it's beyond her contempt. And the smashing pieces of the gun go on for like four panels on page eight because she's just like, so badass, she just keeps crushing it and crushing it because she's just so angry at Funky. I, I love the way she's depicted in this issue. I mean, we jumped over, like, by the way, I, I don't know if you wanted to go over it, like Scott and, and Oberon doing some tricks. I wasn't really interested in that part. I don't know if you wanted to keep talking about it. I have it in my notes for us to talk about all the tricks in this issue. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I, I love that she crushes the gun and then, like, doesn't she shake his hand hard so it kind of hurts? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she slaps the gun in his hand. Oh, that's what it is. It's yeah, pretty- but you, you notice in that whole page, the gun is falling apart for four different panels. So yeah. she's grinding yeah. at it, on it, you know? She's she's oh, twisting so- it in her hand like you might a, a rubber ball or something. Oh, wow. I did not. That's That's great. Because she's just so angry at him. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful how Kirby like overplays Funky's emotions in it in every panel there. Mm-hmm. You know, that giant smile in panel eight, and then that that kind of sup that kind of inferior reaching out of his hand in panel five. 
And then the fear he has in panel six, it's like Kirby's really playing this for comedic effect. It's kind of, mm-hmm. and it works, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe this is how uh, Ross. Line, eh? What's that? Well, I like how Bordis says, you know, the, the gun bit kind of changed your line, didn't it? Yeah. I wonder if this is how Ross acted with Stan Lee when he visited. <laughs> you notice too she totally physically dominates Funky in the, all the panels mm-hmm. she's she's bigger than him even in the panel that's just her arm her arm dominates the panel not Funky I mean she's bigger than everybody when she's coming out of that bathtub page 11 panel 6 that's so awesome she's like huge she's like a monster it's awesome and then even the panels when she's sitting in the chair waiting for the attack by the female Furies, mm-hmm. she's got this kind of coiled power to her. Mm-hmm. She just looks like she's ready for a fight. Mm-hmm. God, you can just tell, tell Kirby just loves drawing her. Yeah, and I, I love her character. I love the Furies, too. I, I mean, I've never been really exposed to them before. I mean, we saw... A little bit of them in in New Gods, and I've seen some other co- comics have them. Actually, yeah, but like it's uh, I like the Furies too. I like the designs. I like their characterization. They're like they're. It seems like now that they're coming after her, it reminds me of Kill Bill. Remember mm-hmm. Kill Bill, where like Bill had those assassins, and then Uma Thurman's character has to fight all the coworkers. It really reminds me of that. And they're all coming very slowly and getting ready to attack her. And then she has that long fight. Yeah, I love that sequence. Like one by one, right? So it's like, that's what's happening with Barda here. She's fighting her. She's the Black Mamba. She's the top soldier. And they're all like, you know, subtle or like, you know, granny goodness in this case is sending all the, all the people to take her out. But she's ready for it. Yeah. In fact, she talks to Scott about saying, don't worry about it. Don't let it get you down, Scott. I can handle them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's once again being like the alpha in the relationship. He should have done one just about her. I really think, like we've been saying, like Scott's the supporting character in his own book. Yeah. He tries to make Scott the lead, right? We The issue begins with Scott trying to escape the crazy death trap. But every panel she's in, Barta just steals it, right? And you can see, like, she cuts right through to the truth with Funky Flashman, too. She's mm-hmm. pissed off at him. She gets right away that he's just a major asshole. Mm-hmm. And Scott's like, well, sit down. Let's talk about it. You might be able to help us. Mm-hmm. You're someone who could be convenient to me. You know, Scott's so much more the conciliator, and she just won't listen. She just cuts through all the white noise. And that's part of what makes her so powerful is that she's just a fully fleshed out woman of power and she's taken in the apocalyptic thing too where you just won't compromise i mean doesn't it seem like it it has a little bit of granny goodness in her that it just that she won't change who she is but she's been exposed to scott's goodness and she's good herself she's a good person she's a good person the battles with Lashina especially is so fun, too. Lashina, that's the one with the claws, right? Lashina's the page 19. Oh, no, oh that's it's... right. Yeah, yeah. No, she, it's great, yeah. That's what reminded me of, uh, just like, you know, as we were talking about it, of uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, I can totally see that. But they're no match for her because Barda is a badass. Mm-hmm. 
And then they sent all four of them together. We're skipping around. Yeah. But I think the sight of Funky in his white safari outfit, too. <laughs> that was just hysterical. He looks like such a dork. Wait, how did he go from the brown clothes? Um, is this a different scene? Yeah, this is the next day. Oh, it's the next day. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we're somehow in the in the rehearsal studio. Scott has rented a giant saw. It's going to cut through wood. And then Scott's going to apparently rehearse this escape over and over again so they could take this on tour. Mm-hmm. This would be the most amazing tour ever. Mm-hmm. Because first he wants to, first he practices this escape from this rocket jet that goes off a cliff. This rocket jet goes along railroad tracks and jumps off a cliff on pages five and six. That would be amazing to see, but that's just like a warm up. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to escape the saw, then he's going to escape this jar. It's like this would be an unbelievable show to see. Even if you just saw it on TV and it was all special effects, it would be an amazing show yeah. to see. So, Funky Flashman is like the promoter. Like, are we going to see him again after this issue? Funky comes back, I believe. Mm-hmm. Not never quite as scathing and nasty, but he's kind of like the manager, I guess. Yeah, I love the way he talks. Great harbingers of Holocaust. Harbingers. There's a part where uh, I think let me try to find it. Uh, there's a part where Scott is all like, uh, it's on page ten, panel two. Scott's all like, "You do have a way with words." It's like Stanley. I tell you, I tested that phrase on my man, House Roy, and the beggar literally cried. The beggar. The beggar literally cried. Mm. Love that. And he doesn't like Oberon either, and, vi- and feeling is mutual. The only one who can even tolerate Funky is Scott Free. But he's a weirdo who has a musical sardine can. <laughs> a musical sardine can. We're like, what the, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Page 20, panel 6. This isn't a musical sardine can. What the hell is it? Mm-hmm. Like, not only is Funky an asshole and an idiot, he has no clue what things are. He's got he's the worst guesser in the world. You know, one thing that Kirby does mention, though, is, like, you have to be worthy to be able to use the mother box. I think that's a good one where, like, what if, like, you know, Stan Lee would have gotten a hold of a mother box. He could have gone totally evil. <laughs> It'd be like, like the wishes in Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of like Thor's hammer, right? You have to be worthy to use it. I do see that. The, I like the character, uh, the page 21 where the um, the theories show up. I love their designs. I don't love the Sod sisters design, but it's different. You know, the cool thing about it, they're all different, you know. Yeah, they. that's one thing Kirby does great. It's like every character has a whole different design from each other. They all look different from Barda, too. Yeah. The Sod sister kind of looks like, what's that character from the demon, the, the 13-year-old or the teenager witch? Yeah, anyways, he looks like a different, it's like a retread design. But. He doesn't name the sister, does he? That's Bernadette, if I remember right. Oh, uh, I think somebody does. Somebody said Bernadette. What's um? I don't think he named some of them, but the the one that's wearing yellow and brown, that's a cool design. It's like a biker. That's Stampa. Stampa, I like her design. 
Well, it's almost militaristic or something. Mm -hmm. And they show up and <laughs> Stanley sacrifices Roy Thomas. <laughs> Did they ever interview Roy Thomas about how he felt, or even Stanley about how he felt, how they were portrayed? I'm sure there's there a lot of comments from Roy Thomas, and basically he says, "Yeah, I just took it as a joke, and it was funny at the time, and never really let it bother me." Mm. I think he kind of just took it as as Jack Kirby kind of sniping because he was just pissed off. But nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. Apparently, kind of didn't mind much. In other words, I wonder um, how much of this type of stuff was going on in comics, where people would just kind of, you know, like in uh, in hip hop, they call it diss tracks, right? You know, like these, they do like a song about like dissing the other person. I wonder how many diss tracks happened within comics back then in mainstream. Well, comics. that's the. I think that's the great thing about it is that. This really was like one of the few times someone really did a diss track like this, where mm -hmm. someone like pulled a character out and completely made fun of them like this. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like this is this is something like way above and beyond what anyone else would even think of doing then. Mm -hmm. uh, and how did they like how did editorial not notice this or they didn't care? They allowed him to do this. huh? Well, Kirby just sent the pages in from California and they published them. Oh. He was his own editor. Oh, cool. So no one was checking his work at all. He would just basically turn in his completed issues. And you know, they all sold the amount they sold, sold, sold anyway. So easy for me to say. Um, and so no one really checked him at all. Mm -hmm. So he could just do whatever the heck he wanted to. One other note about this issue, and we can talk about it more, but I thought it was really interesting that this issue came out the month after Glory Boat in New Gods. Mm. So this is when Kirby on New Gods was in his real prime, right? Those four or five issues around Glory Boat were magnificent. Mm -hmm. But he was really in, in the swing, right? This is really when he was in his best group. And this really feels like he's getting a great groove for these characters. He's getting a feeling for what... Mr. Miracle's all about how he manages the characters here, how it's so oh, yeah. much of a lighter book than New Gods. And it just feels like he's really kind of falling into his prime in a lot of ways on this series. Mm -hmm. No, I really think these issues are much, like those early issues were kind of not as fun. But I think a lot of the introduction of Funky Flashman and uh, Big Barda, like it, especially Big Barda, it's really been really fun. So this is where he's hitting his stride. I feel like, and I think you're you're on, right on point on that. It just feels like it's going to be one amazing thing after another. I'll go back to the issue because we didn't we we didn't talk about this enough. Uh, at the end of the issue, Funky's reduced back to his old self again. Mm -hmm. The house is destroyed. You got this boom, 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 and he's, as he's yeah. running away like a coward from his collapsing house. Yeah, his hairpiece is falling off his head. His beard is literally hanging off his ears. His suit is falling apart. He's completely humiliated. Mm -hmm. And he's still saying, "On to new conquest, Funky Flashman. You winner, you." Yeah, he's like Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, you know, he's like, "Okay, there's another Roadrunner out there. I'm gonna get them." Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. 
and, and maybe that's that's the thing about Funky is like he feels like he comes from like a Warner Brothers cartoon or something. He's just this ridiculous figure. Mm-hmm. It shows Stan Lee's confidence in himself, and he was able to reinvent himself over and over again. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and that's funny because Kirby did that too. Yeah, they did it in different. So Stanley did it in marketing and promotions, self promotion, and Kirby did it in in comics with art form. Yeah, I love Barda's last line here too in the issue. I'm a soldier, Scott. I'm trained to die, but you, you're beautiful inside. I like that. They never got to you, and they know they'll never, and now they'll do things to you. Enough, Barter. There's no freedom in running. I'm going back and win it their way. Like, she really does love and admire him for being himself. And I think, like, she's really sensitive. I really love this character because she's a warrior, but you see, like, tenderness in her. That she doesn't see in herself, you know. There's, there's a lot, a lot of depth to this character that, like, I don't know if Kirby meant it or just he got lucky because he's so talented to create something. But I think of this so far of these, you know, five issues, she's the star of this issue. I mean, she should, she should be like, she should be the one people make comic books like over and over again, you know, and reuse that character because she's such a great character. So you were making this analogy to a Tarantino movie earlier. I think of her as like Butch the Boxer in Pulp Fiction, mm. where he's out there working with his fists, but he comes home after the, the fight where he kills the man, and he's with his girlfriend, and he's so sweet and kind and loving to her. Yeah. And he's this, he's this warrior with this deep, rich heart and love and passion and that's really how i see barda as being that same kind of character like as, as tough as she is on the outside and she's as tough as you can get she's got this heart that's so rich and mm-hmm. and true to herself and she's so open in her own way and that's a lot of what makes her so compelling because you're right we don't see that in any other characters right light ray doesn't have that orion certainly doesn't have that character you know orion's just dismissive of He's a celestial, but he's dismissive of people. Mm-hmm. The only one who comes close, honestly, is Darkseid. Yeah, yeah. That's we were true. talking a few weeks ago about Darkseid's tragic past and all the struggles he went through. I I feel like Darkseid, yeah, Darkseid does not get used. I mean, I haven't really read much about him, but he's always like this, you know, Darth Vader type thing. And he's, well, I mean, Darth Vader now is more nuanced too, but really like this evil that like is all bad. and. And I like that at least Barda and and Darkseid are two characters that I think are really multidimensional. And I mean, Darkseid is the ultimate villain in DC and they keep using him and he's relatively new. So it's, she's great. She should be in more issues. I think she'd be great for like, you know, if, if you want to get women into superhero comics, she needs to be used more. She just feels so contemporary, doesn't she? Yeah. I think there was a comic made of her recently. And I, I sh- I'm, I'm actually going to think and see if I can get it and read it. Because um, I wonder if they made, they did her justice. I think they did like Furies, right? Yeah, yeah she's in the female Furies, I think. Yeah, yeah. And she a- we should talk quickly about the young Scott Free story. Because... It nicely builds on the quick, the little quickie we had in the previous issue. Yeah. 
So now we see Scott in Granny Goodness's factory, I guess. People factory, for want of a better term. And now we're seeing some of what Apocalypse is really like, where you're given this food that's going to anesthetize you. And Scott refuses to take it on the guidance of Metron. Mm. Yeah. I, I, what's what's up with Metron that he's so interested in Scott? You know, it's interesting that Metron is actually, I mean, I don't know how his character is going to evolve throughout his, everything, but he's the one character that, like, is at least from New God's perspective and this one, is has been in both. And he's pretty prominent yet in the background. And I see that his involvement with Scott is is his heart. There's him doing something right, you know, because he's like neutral. But this is something that he's doing right. That's like humane, you know, helping Scott. Why does it suit his purposes to help Scott? I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it does. It doesn't really matter. Maybe Your mind must be clear, Scott. It must be at its sharpest. You see, it belongs to you. But why? Why does he care so much? Mm-hmm. It's intriguing. He, so far, Metron to me is completely enigmatic. More to come. More to come. More to come. Next issue, we get the Apocalypse Trap. Scott and Barna, I believe, go back to Apocalypse. Oh, cool. That's going to be exciting. Thank you, Amir. I love this series so much. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It's getting better. Oh, thank you.